Hello, friends, and welcome to HC Weekly. This is a podcast proclaiming the love of God on display through Jesus Christ. We're so glad you're with us, and I need to tell you, we've been expecting you. We encourage you to tune in for an important announcement at the end. And now it's time for today's message. We hope you enjoy. The blood of the Lamb. Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I want to talk to you this morning about the blood of Jesus. Because it's one of the more important subjects in Scripture. It's so vital because it was the blood of Jesus that forged the new covenant. But I want to open with a a bit of a story. I I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in the fifth grade at Hope Sound uh, Christian Academy in Jupiter, Florida. And... uh, There was a blood drive at the school, and our teacher arranged for our class to observe the process and write an essay on it. And a wannabe tough guy in our class named James was watching as they prepared a person and inserted a needle in their arm, and everything was going fine until the blood began to come down that little tube and into that bag. That's when tough guy James fell out cold. (laughs) The sight of blood was just too much for him. And it took some time for him to live that one down. You see, blood can be a powerful thing. Yeah. See, that blood collected that day was used to keep people alive. Uh, If you were to lose a lot of blood, you could die. Because God said long ago before the medical professionals had the science to back it up, in Leviticus 17, 14, it says, The life of every creature is in its blood. The life of every creature is in its blood. And the Bible is filled with the subject of blood. Even animal blood was powerful. God prescribed it to cover sin. I I saw a movie once about a virus that was killing people. And there was a blood sample from a host monkey that was unaffected by the virus. And... uh, that, that, it, that if it was possessed, it could be the key to an antibody to save lives. They just needed a small sample of blood from that monkey. Now, I know that was just a movie, but one of the prescribed treatments for COVID-19 was a blood transfusion containing antibodies. It helped people beat COVID. You see, blood is powerful. Blood is powerful. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and realized that they were naked, they were clothed with the skin of an animal. In other words, to cover their sin and shame, blood had to be shed. An animal had to be killed and its blood used to atone for sin. And this proves that even animal blood was powerful. So when God was ready to free Israel from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, The final step was to send the angel of death to kill all the firstborn throughout the land. And God would send a destroyer, but he set up a plan to protect his own people. 
In fact, in Exodus 12, 21 through 23, it says, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel. The lintel's the top crossbar of a door. Strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. That's the, that's the symbol of the cross, right? And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through the strike to Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come to your house to strike you. The sign of the cross is found in the Passover of Israel's departure from Egypt. And animal blood was enough on the doorpost and lintel to keep the angel of death away. Animal blood was powerful enough to cover the sin of someone for a year at a time under the old covenant system. But every year, blood had to be offered. Every year. Sacrifices were a reminder of sin. And animal blood, although it was powerful, it was limited. Now Solomon built a glorious temple for God. And the priest sacrificed many animals on the day of dedication. Listen to what it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 4 and 5. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. That's a lot of blood. After all that bloodshed, all that bloodshed, one year later, more had to be sacrificed again. Sin is embedded in the human nature, and it requires a blood more powerful than animals to deal with. You need a blood that can cleanse you, change your nature, and purify your conscience forever. And only the blood of the new covenant that Jesus gave can do that. There is no other blood for that. Only the blood of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me to Hebrews chapter 9? That's our main body of text as we start to come down the peak of the mountain on the other side here. I don't want to keep you too long. Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, it says... That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the covenant which was covered uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and stone tablets of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the Ark's cover, the place of, the, of, of, of atonement. 
But we can't explain these things in detail right now. Verse 6, when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. I know that's a mouthful, but it's important. Probably the most important doctrinal thing you need to know as a believer in Jesus Christ. See, we should pay special attention to what verses 8 and 9 say to us. The Holy Spirit reveals that you had no permission to go into the holy place. And that was a limited holy place here on earth. You had no permission. In fact, the high priest under the old covenant had to offer blood from an animal to cover his own sins before offering sacrifices for the sin of others. And this was done every year. He also revealed, the Holy Spirit did, that as long as the tabernacle and the old system it represented was in place, the holy place would remain off limits to anyone other than a high priest. Even the sacrifices the high priest offered could not cleanse the consciences of the people, and the sacrifices were offered by limited men using limited blood in a limited system only for a limited time. That's what it's telling us. But then you go to verses 11 and 12, and it says clearly that Jesus has now become our high priest, and he has gone into the original holy place, that place in heaven, and offered his own blood to secure our redemption forever. How long has your redemption been secured for? What kind of life did you receive? What is eternal? It's without time. There's no ending to it. How do you receive something with no ending and then think of it as having one? How do you receive something that's forever and then let yourself get caught up in thinking that you could do something to spoil it all? 
You can do something to grieve the spirit and prick your conscience. But you can't, you can't, you don't have the power to undo eternal life. See, if you can sin your way out of salvation, you're saying sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus that wiped away sin in you. And you're thinking fleshly. You're thinking according to the flesh. You're thinking basically, naturally. And what happens when you do that is, is you now measure yourself by your own performance. And when you measure yourself by your own performance, you're always going to come up short. And if you think that your closeness to God has got to be based on that, you're never going to be close. Because you're never going to be good enough. But do you trust in the one who was crucified? Is your confidence in the blood that he shed? If you want to please God, let your faith rest in the blood of the Son. Let your faith rest in the work of the cross. That's how you please God. It is by faith we please God. God cannot be pleased by anything other than faith. Only faith pleases God. Now, at the same time, faith doesn't pursue sin. Faith doesn't run after sin. Faith is what activates in your soul a recognition of your new nature you've been given by Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that you're able to live according to the Spirit. And when you're living according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not saying, hey, let's go get drunk. Hey, let's go, you know, do crazy stuff. Let's go. I'm trying to avoid extremes because my wife always repeats. She says, you always go to this extreme, you know. And I'm like, okay, I'm trying to keep away from the extreme, okay. But, but the Spirit is not saying, hey, hey, uh, uh, why, don't you, why don't you hook up with your neighbor's wife? The Spirit's not saying, hey, why don't you take your neighbor's lawnmower? You know? He doesn't lead you down those paths. The Spirit doesn't say, hey, punch that person in the mouth. They made you mad. That's not the Holy Spirit. Watch it, woman. <laughs> so... The Holy Spirit leads you in the paths of righteousness. Now, He will reveal a will of God for your life that will make your brain kind of lock up at times. Wait a minute, you know. That's kind of, I mean, look at what some of the prophets did. Their brains had to go, I mean, they were under the law. And the, some of the things they were being asked to do were right on the edge of things. And so it, must, it had to be hard for those guys. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like the Holy Spirit will not move you into places that feel like, wait a minute, this is a little bit risky. This is on the edge. This is, this is on the verge of scandalous. You know? Jesus talking to a woman at the well. Uh, in that culture, 
That was no. You don't do that. Jesus letting a prostitute wash his feet with her tears and dry his feet with her hair. That's not supposed to happen. No, 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 no. That's why it says in the story that those that were there in the room were saying, does he not know what manner of woman this is? Right? She's a sinner. Not only just a sinner, but in that culture, one of the grossest sinners. So, and here she is washing his feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. See, the Holy Spirit, he didn't break the law. He might have violated some of their cultural traditions, but he didn't break the law. And the Holy Spirit knew it. The Holy Spirit brought him right to the edge and said, this is perfectly fine. Because everything that Jesus did was by the Spirit. Everything Jesus said was by the Spirit. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. So when he let that woman wash his feet with her tears and dry his feet with her hair, the Father was letting that happen. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will pull you all the way to the edge. But he does never tempt you. He will never tempt you to sin. Never will the Holy Spirit ever tempt you. To sin. But see, we've lived under a culture that's so sin conscious that we think we got to tell people how to avoid sin. Well, let's do a test right now. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't you think a hamburger? Don't you think of a hamburger? I'm telling you right now, don't even think about a hamburger. Don't go there. Don't think about it. How many of you thought about a hamburger? Be honest. Some of, some of you went further. My wife said, milkshake too. Some of you added a large fry. Hello. Come on, get honest. You know, you Wendy's lovers, you threw in a frosty for dessert, right? To dip your fries in. That's gross to me, but to each his own, right? That system does not work. Because as soon as you're told what not to do, it's calling on the strength of your flesh to accomplish it. But what if you live according to the Spirit and you let Him lead you into the paths of righteousness? This is where relationship and the will of God come into major play in every believer's life. If you're not actively pursuing the will of God for your life, you're already out of step. Because you're not living according to the Spirit. You're making your own decisions according to your own desires. You're not consulting the Father. You're not asking for wisdom from heaven. You're not asking the Holy Spirit to come and tell you what is best. Given the nature of understanding God's will for your life, He will lead you to the next step. 
And if what you're thinking you need right now is not part of that next step, he will tell you, and oftentimes I've found that for many believers, when he tells them, they get upset. Because he'll say, you know, this looks appealing, but the devil always sends you a counterfeit before a real thing. Sometimes he'll send you two or three. And all it's meant to do is distract you from where I want to take you. Just come with me where I'm going. That's all. Just come with me where I'm going. That's the way the Lord works with us in life. It's by relationship. It's not by rules and regulations. It's by relationship. Jesus' blood can cleanse any sin and anybody who will turn to him in faith. His blood is the new covenant blood that can never lose its power. It has forever forged your relationship access to God. It has cleared a pathway to the throne room that nothing can block. That's why it says in another place in Hebrews, Come before the throne of grace boldly. What is it, precursor? Because we have such a high priest who is acquainted with our weaknesses and our struggles. Let us come boldly, not timidly, not like we don't have a right to be there, because we're not thinking according to the flesh. We're thinking according to the purchase. You were bought with a price, and not just any price. We're thinking according to the purchase, so we're coming in boldly. Oh, yeah, I blew it. But I'm coming in boldly. Why? Because you asked me to come. Because your son did such a complete work, the way of access is constantly open. Heaven, those people that are praying for heaven to open, they're praying a bit amiss. Heaven has been opened since the cross. It never closed. It was closed to the old covenant. But it is not close to a new covenant people. The blood of Jesus has opened heaven to us eternally. Your eternity has already started. You're just right now clothed in this earthly tent. You're an earthen vessel housing the Spirit of God. That's the temporariness of your existence in this moment. But you are an eternal being already. You've already stepped into eternity. The last phase of your salvation hasn't come yet. You're in the middle phase. The first phase is you get a brand new nature when you come to Christ in faith and you're born again. Phase one. Phase two Your soul is being washed and renewed day by day by the washing of the Word of God in the New Covenant, telling you who you are, how He's made you something brand new, where He's taking you in your life, etc., etc. That's called sanctification. And it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies you, not you. I don't sanctify you. 
Your wife, your husband do not sanctify you. Your kids don't sanctify you. Right? The Holy Spirit sanctifies. How does he sanctify? He leads you into the will of God for your life, which alters the way you think about doing life altogether. So that you live from a completely different perspective and vantage point than you ever lived before. I don't know of anyone that's too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. I've never met that person. What I have met are way too many people who are too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. You know what I mean? We need to get in touch with who God says we are. And the blood is our gateway for that. The blood is your key. One drop of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than millions of bulls, goats, and lambs. Even better still is the fact that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin that has ever been committed or will ever be committed. It is more powerful than all the sin in the whole world throughout all history and time. There is no sin it cannot cleanse, and there is no sinner that his blood cannot purify, forgive, and transform. Jesus' blood doesn't just cover sin. It obliterates it. Like David was saying, the devil, out of here. The, the, the blood, when it comes into your life, it says to sin, you're packing. Oh, no, don't just step off to the side. No, you're packing. So far, this person can't get to you again. New nature is moving in. It's not average blood you've been washed with. It only takes a drop to effectively cleanse, and it's never going to lose its power. It's why there's no more shame, no more condemnation, no more past life remorse. If you've been washed by his blood, you are forever cleansed. Sin cannot hold you anymore. Sin is no longer your master. His blood has set you free. Do you believe that? If you can get this down, the power of the blood at work in your life, there is no mistake. There's nothing. And I'm not saying go out and make them and experiment with it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I am saying, we do it whether we want to or we don't. But when you do and you understand the power of the blood, it doesn't stop you. Abraham lied. It didn't stop him. Right? Then his son Isaac lied, but it didn't stop him either. And it didn't characterize. By the way, they didn't become characterized as... Oh, dingy, dingy, ding, the bell went off. How many lies do you have to tell? Just one way. You're a liar now, Abraham. Abraham would look at you and say, and you're stupid. <laughs> yep. 
Ray Comfort doesn't have the corner market on effective evangelism. One lie doesn't ding 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 forever mark you as a liar. One lie means that you lied. Right? Can a believer lie? Yep. It happens a lot for people. I'd like to meet the person who could actually authenticatively in the sight of heaven say I've never told a lie and it be true. Other than Jesus. Other than Jesus. We have we all we come with our weaknesses, we come with our struggles, we come with everything that we bring. And if you don't learn the power of the blood and the invitation to the throne of grace, you're stopped dead in your tracks. You're not going to mature. You're not going to grow. Your spiritual ceiling is right here. You just capped out. But if you want to live the uncapped life spiritually, you have to get these basics down. You have to get them down. And if you get them down, there's no limit. There's no limit. Are you ready to pray? I'm going to challenge you when you leave here today, on your way home, if you've got a smartphone or something, just whether it's Google or Apple or whatever, just say, search uh, Carmen, uh, the blood. The blood. And listen to it. Just listen to it. This, this basic doctrinal truth about the blood has been strangely absent from Christianity for quite a while. And it is one of the most powerful doctrines of Christianity there is. And it's strangely absent because you can control people with rules and regulations if you can keep them unaware of just how free Jesus has made them. Oh, if you only knew how free you were. <laughs> That's how the joy of the kingdom comes in. You're just free to operate in the spirit, man. You know what I mean? You ready to pray? Could we stand? Maybe you're here this morning. You've never been washed in the blood. If that's the case, you can be. All it takes is faith. Faith. Powerful thing, too. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just say thank you for the blood. Can you say that with me? Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood that's been applied to us and cleansed us from all sin, past, present, and future. You've taken care of it, Lord. Thank you for an invitation, a wide-open invitation to the throne of grace at all times. Thank you for an open heaven. Thank you for a Holy Spirit who is faithful and continually with us because of the blood. If it weren't for the blood, he could not be with us. There'd be no housing of him. There'd be no way to contain it. There'd be, the the wineskin wouldn't be new without the blood. We thank you for the blood, Father. We thank you for the obedience of Jesus Christ at the cross. We thank you for the victory that was his and is now also ours because we are in him and he lives in us.
Father, I pray that this revelation, this understanding will sink deeply into our hearts and take deep root and spring forth with an abundance of fruit. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're asking for that. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to take this and, and, and just cultivate joy, cultivate peace, cultivate boldness, cultivate courage in our hearts and our souls. In Jesus' name. What a great encouragement from the Lord. Hello again. We want to invite you to subscribe to this ministry. We would love to hear from you. Contact us at our website, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the Connect button and leave us a message. We'll respond to you just as soon as we can. You can also interact with us on Facebook at Harvest Church. Our request is that you pray for us and also pray about financially supporting this ministry so it can continue to go out. No gift is too small. If you have a local church, please don't neglect it in your giving whenever giving to this ministry. There's three easy ways to give and all our giving options are secure. Your first option is at our website. Again, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the Give button and follow the steps. Your second option is via text. Send a text to 865-366-4993 with the amount that you wish to give in the message section. Your third option is via snail mail. Send it to Harvest Church, 6720 Kern Road. That's K-E-R-N, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37918. If you are in the Knoxville, Tennessee area and you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and be with us. We'd love to see you. Again, thank you for listening. Our prayer for you is that you grow in your knowledge of Christ Jesus and experience great increase of grace and peace. Remember, Jesus really loves you.